really excited to see you through the camera. That sounds like a really weird thing to say, but we know you're in the comments and make yourself known so we can say hi to you and engage in our conversation today. And today we thought we would do something a little bit different. We're really excited to have a conversation today. Um, and we would love for you to join that. Like I said, please join us in the comments and let us know how you're receiving the message. And yeah, so I'm going to read Galatians. It's Galatians 2, 19 through 21. It says, let me explain it like this. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with the Messiah. I am, however, alive, but it isn't me. It's the Messiah who lives in me. And the life I do still live in the flesh, I live within the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside God's grace. If righteousness comes through the law, then the Messiah died for nothing. I love that verse. That's uh, N.T. Wright's translation. The way, way I memorized it was, uh, you know, I'm crucified with Christ, which Christ means Messiah. A lot of people just think it's Jesus' surname or something, <laughs> but it's actually a title, right? The life, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, uh, not I, Christ is living through me. Uh, the life I live in the body, I live in faithfulness, in that our faith, the faithfulness of Christ. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This idea that faithfulness and body is kind of what we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. Faith is more feelings plus philosophy. Mm -hmm. Or, and some people approach it solely as feelings. Some people approach faith by whether they believe they've rationally convinced themselves that they're certain, that certain God facts are true. And what I love about the way N.T. Wright talks about this faithfulness is it, it takes faith from just this idea of faith or being saved or going to heaven when we die. And uh, it's such a richer uh, concept. I look back at debates people had about the Bible. And one in particular, uh, Martin Luther, uh, the instigator, one of the instigators of the Protestant Reformation, uh, was really into Paul. And Paul really opened his eyes to a lot of new ideas. But he had such a narrow definition of faith that when uh, Jesus' little brother James writes a letter and he says, faith without works is dead. And then Paul says, it's by grace we are saved through faith, not by works, in his other book, Ephesians. So he said, so these guys are contradicting each other, so Paul's really been helpful for me, so James has got to go. And he hated the book of James. <laughs> but imagine if we put on a different lens and think about, you guys are, these guys are newish newlyweds, newlyweds by my mark, right? <laughs> you guys feel like newlyweds? Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> so what does, what does faithfulness mean within your marriage? What, what, is, what is the faith you may have in one another? What does it mean for each of you to be faithful to the other? Just tell me some things about that. So earlier you were, we were talking about this and you mentioned something like it's not just a marriage certificate. And then I thought, Rachel, we are very dumb together. And we are <laughs> dumb with each other. And like we have this one specific language <clears throat> that it's just like an inside thing between you and I. And I feel like that is faithfulness, knowing the ins mm -hmm. and the outs of each other. 
knowing specific words that we say and uh, like things that we make fun of that to other people don't make sense and when <laughs> we all. tell them to other people they just think that we're dumb and we are dumb <laughs> but it's the That's faithfulness true. that we have to each other the fact that we know each mm. other the ins and outs we know what we bring to the table and yeah that's what I think. Wow. I just want to comment on that for a second because that is like actually so rich because you described a context where you guys are so vulnerable and authentic with one another and so unguarded with one another that you show your silliest side <laughs> without even a thought that you're going to be looked down, judged, or excluded. <laughs> but the idea that you trust one another, that you're not going to go away, that you'll always be there for one another, therefore I can rest and I don't have to curate this false self. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people that had marriage certificates and were legally married. Were they in marriage or out of marriage? Well, according to the power vested in me and the state by God and the state of Ohio, I now pronounce you man and wife. Well, I know a lot of people that have never felt safe around their spouse. You can be married and not be faithful. That's true. Right? That is true. And I think if we think of this terms of the faithfulness of God in our faith, it's relational trust mm -hmm. based on a shared storyline together. Do you feel like you guys still have things to learn about one another? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There's always new stories that we're hearing or like through faith walking, like emotionally focused stuff, like stories will come up about our childhoods that we share with one another. And sometimes they're painful, but sometimes they're like really good memories and those are things like, I mean, we've lived how many years without each other? 20, how, was, how old was I? 22, 23 when we met? So it was like that many years of like every single day things that happen that we just don't know about yet. So and that's with everybody. That's with your friends or your spouse or whatever. So I love God uses like the marriage metaphor for his relationship to mm -hmm. the church, his people. And that he's like the faithful spouse. No matter how we flake out, he's always faithful there. And you've described one of the most amazing areas of just total authenticity because of feeling of total, an experience of total safety. Mm -hmm. And when we think the life I live in my body, my embodied faith, my day-to-day, -day, dirt under the fingernails faith, uh, isn't about be knowing all the God facts. Even though we want to know everything about Jesus we can and the more older we grow there's more to know and I believe in eternity We're not going to be these omniscient all-knowing beings that have this sterile experience of never learning anything Knowledge is always going to expand in beauty creation. Our relationship with God is always going to have more history and With that is we're never going to tap out on it, but I don't feel like my marriage sucks because we have more to go. That actually makes it not boring. I feel so bad for the people that believed becoming Jesus fact experts and arguing for their perspective on a certain fact equaled faith. When I think mm -hmm. intimacy is faithfulness. Right. So interesting that you mentioned that like all of that intimacy is faithfulness. God describes the church like in a marriage way and uh, the thing that I was thinking about a while ago is how, uh, like, our worship, it is just what I was describing with, about, uh, like, the things that we say that may seem, seem dumb. It's like our own little family language. Mm -hmm. And our worship to God is 
our family language to God. Mm. It's our church language saying, you are faithful, God. Mm -hmm. We are faithful to you and you are faithful to us. Um, I am yours and you are mine. And it's just our songs, our worship or whatever worship means to you is that language. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, every family has their little funny th ways they demonstrate love mm -hmm. to one another. In my tradition, you know, I kind of came from a family that loved music. Now, I, I have no musical giftings. I'm just <laughs> mega fan. In my family, uh, growing up, I found one thing when, uh, before Kathleen was on the scene, Ian would be having a hard time. I would just start singing songs to him. And I was kind of like, uh, doing parody songs. I would just take a pre-existing <laughs> melody and change all the words to be about Ian. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then they made even silly songs that made him wear. Like, do you remember the Slinky? Mm -hmm. uh, slinky. So I made the song like, he can't go upstairs, he poops diaper pairs, it makes a squishy <laughs> sound. He's fun, he's fun, he's got rash on his bum. Everyone knows he's Ian. He's Ian, he's Ian. He's fun for a mom and a dad. He's fun for a mom and a dad. And he would always have me sing that. And I had like albums worth of songs for mm. these kids. And we would just laugh. Hmm. But you think of that, like I think of people who I've felt judged by. I, I'm in a relationship with those people. But I'm probably not going to be singing silly songs with them. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, might, I probably wouldn't even do karaoke with them. Because there's a sense of intimacy there, right? Yeah. Faithfulness is being safe enough to sing mm. to someone you love. The life I live in my body, I live by faith. Historically, there's this idea of the world of ideas in the world of physicality. The world of the spirit and the world of physical. And it wasn't until, what? Uh, what you, uh, like uh, 1990, around then, and stuff, where they started really, uh, neuroscience was focusing on the fact uh, of the brain as an organ tied inextricably to the rest of our body and every form of cognition was part of our entire body and every element of our emotional life was totally integrated with our body and there's no such thing as non-emotional thinking. So whether being an emotionalist or a logical person, it just meant if, you're, if your thinking did not tie to your emotions, you were just having a very narrow thinking experience. Hmm. Not that you were super smart, that you were just kind of like, you, maybe you had a lobotomy or you specifically created a discipline to shut off that part. Hmm, that's interesting. And that's why someone told me once, dry theology is a sin. Boring theology, never trust a boring theologian, right? <laughs> or grumpy. Or grumpy, never trust a grump. <laughs> when I think of faithfulness, I think of the people that have a richer life experience because of the way they approach Jesus. Without this idea of this Jesus who created a path of intimacy by being willing to sacrifice himself, that instead of a God that takes, that he's a God that gives. And in marriage, I, I kind of had this view of like you have two organisms that compost each other. You know, they're both aggressively gobbling the other organism up until it's totally gone. So like when you're, when you're purifying water, you have all this bacteria and the idea the water becomes clean because the bacteria eats all the bacteria until there's no bacteria. In a relationship where two people are mutually agreed on what they're, they're, they want to get from the other, you have two people that are composting each other. And it, but 
if you have two people trying to outdo one another in mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. kindness, and sacrifice, not I'm talking that this only works with like an egalitarian relationship where you stand equal before God. It doesn't work in this whole patriarchal thing or what matriarch or whatever. It's an egalitarian approach where you pro- approach before God, we are equal image bearers. The Jesus story that I believe really happened in a place and time in history and is happening now is you have two people continually building one another up based on what they receive from uh, interacting with God in prayer, silence, emulating the life of Christ, making practice, certain practices that give you relational space for what we believe is the Holy Spirit of God empowering it. And what you're doing is it seems like you're both... Uh, blessing each other the same way maybe a transactional marriage is, but you're actually building each other. If we embody the Jesus story beyond just belief, but we realize that Jesus lived, is God in flesh, living the fully human life, who took all the evil on the world, all the evil could offer, torture and death, and then came back three days later saying, I'm still, after three days, I am re-embodied in a resurrection body, which means a life, a non-protective, self-sacrificing life is the fully embodied life for all eternity. The end result of evil is the destruction of human bodies. Or the instruction, and you think of our culture, every injustice, every injustice in the world is about uh, neglecting one group of bodies to enrich another group of bodies. Like, I think of systemic racism. You know, a lot of people, a big argument now is there's no such thing as systemic racism. I said, well, was, was the slavery system uh, systemic? I said, well, yeah, but slavery's over. So, well, what about uh, Jim Crow laws and give all of these examples? Was that a system of, yeah, well, that is. And then I would say, well, and I just keep giving examples yeah. and examples until we get to this week. I said, so when did, when did this system end if you don't believe, I mean, it's weird. But you can say that about everything. Mm-hmm. Systems agreed. You can grow assets without destroying human bodies, but you can really grow assets if you have child slaves assembling goods in a place that you don't have to see and feel guilty about, and you can maximize your profits. I'm really suspicious of Christian influencers. Never read a Bible that's named after a person like the the Joe Blow study Bible, (laughs) and beware of ministries that are named after a person. So this guy is a the financial guru, uh, recently had owned a lot of low-income housing uh, blocks. And this applies to the life I live in the body. I live by faith. This embodied faith versus disembodied faith. Rental prices, especially in metropolitan areas, have gone through the roof. And yeah. like, there's many reasons for that, especially if you live in a big city like Columbus. Like So many places in this neighborhood that used to be rentals that families lived in are now Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. Now, I stay Airbnbs all the time, but specifically places like Chicago and others, there's a housing shortage. Mm-hmm. If you get $150 a night run by a third party group where you don't have to interact with people really, or you can rent for 2000 a month, which means market values mm-hmm. of rental properties have skyrocketed. So what this gentleman uh, who had low income housing he raised the rents to the market level, which meant evicting a large amount of his impoverished tenants. And a lot of people said, how as a Christian can you do this? And he goes, I did not do this. This is not me. This is the market. 
in the market is like, um, what are those little uh, guys? Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, the guys in Toy Story who are in that oh. little, uh, yeah, the, the, the little oh. claw vending machine. Oh, the alien guys. Yeah. The alien guys. <laughs> the claw. The claw. It's like they they see this this little mechanism as yeah. a god. You know, they give it a name. And I think the market is like saying the God or the Lord of hosts. The, the market. The market has become a force. It wasn't me. It was the market. Inside, I'm thinking, like, I have known so many people who've built wealth or or grown assets and not played the market game. Like, the market charges this. I am specifically want to find families I can help get established. Right. And I'll charge them this amount so I can pay my mortgage, make a profit, but it's going to be under market because I want to be shareholders in their story. Mm-hmm. And market be damned. <laughs> that is an embodied faith. This yeah. idea like, how can I build opportunities to build into the greater body of humankind versus a person say, it wasn't me. It was the market. I just can imagine, like, uh, eat, uh, Adam in the garden. You know, the first thing is he blame shifts to Eve, right? It's the woman you gave me. I can say, God walking through. What happened? Did did you guys uh, evict a bunch of people? And Adam goes, it wasn't me. It was the market you gave me. I, I listen to uh, news commentators on all from most different political tribes. And there's one person who's actually a very uh, passionate atheist who was talking about in reading all these scriptures, commenting on how this person doesn't seem like Jesus. He goes, I don't believe in God, but man, I really like the teachings of Jesus. (laughs) And this guy says he's a Christian, and here's what Jesus says. And I'm like, actually, you really like God. You just don't know that God is exactly like Jesus. (laughs) Because of your experience, maybe. So that so I would say the idea of the market versus the faith, that's disembodied faith. But I could spend years telling you the stories of people you know and people you don't know who built secretly and publicly built opportunity for people and grew and, and invested and was, were able to use their economic privilege to invest in the world. And that's been a long story of the body of Christ. Hmm. And that's embodied faith. Hmm. And uh, I got to tell one story. Okay, I always <laughs> talk to my, my Khmer friends, uh, you know, the uh, Cambodian vineyard in Salt Lake City, you know, my friend uh, Savi and Moni, who lead that church, who, you know, first experienced the generosity of God through like miraculous intervention while they were in the concentration camps in the killing fields and then in the refugee camps and then found the story of Jesus that explained this mercy they experienced and protection they experienced. Well, they've worked blue-collar, back-breaking work and they've always taken a portion of that money to build businesses for people back home, back in Cambodia. So they've been able to build this. They've got a house. They've got all these... But they've built houses, they've started businesses, tiny uh, farms, micro-enterprises, little bakeries run out of a bicycle delivery service. <laughs> and I think that's, that's Jesus-y. That is embodied faith that actually comes with these great donuts. 
<laughs> it's always a perk. All of the snow people who so-called grew up in the church in America, mm, mm -hmm. who, uh, who maybe had a facts-based, argument-based, purity culture-based, try to be good enough okay. for God-based, you know, faith that is one of, like, the check marks. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've been in concentrated environments to see embodied faith and disembodied faith. It's really interesting because when I think of people who experience embodied faith versus disembodied faith, and there's a lot of things that go into people experiencing embodied faith and disembodied faith, and like whatever environment they grew up in or whatever church they grew up in, I think that it really is an example thing. Like embodied faith is such an example thing that is lived out. Like I think about, for example, you said purity culture, and like I grew up in purity culture. I would go to sexuality retreats with my middle school or high school um, ministry. You sign up. Oh, sign yes. A oh, yes. I got a purity ring. I signed oh the paper. God. See, we didn't have the rings yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole ordeal, which I'm sure a lot of you have experienced too. But I just remember like the way that it was taught. And all of us have been taught it like, in different ways. But I just think of people now who are so harmed by that and I think of friends now or people now that I know that have gone through that and have gone through trauma who now say like look at purity culture or purity in such a different way and say oh I wish I would have slept with so many more people because of what I learned in purity culture or like you know stuff like that where it's like it's it's intimacy it's not so they went from know. one fundamentalism to another. One is like a like a rules based versus a story yes, based exactly. approach to God to a rules based mm -hmm. secular existence. Exactly. And I was thinking about this. I'm buying into humans are made in the image yeah. of God. In that that idea that God formed us and like Him were relational. Mm -hmm. The image of God means. I don't commoditize this person as a tool to my sexual experimentation right. fulfillment. I think, what is the core need of their soul? Mm -hmm. And throughout their life, what does my interaction work for them where they develop a deeper reverence mm -hmm. for their body? That they yeah. think they are treasure. That they think like that they are worth dying for. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, purity culture is saying if you don't follow these rules, you've diminished it. Mm -hmm. And there was this one deal that this, I won't name him, that this guy did thing where you had a heart in the, in the youth group. Oh Every gosh. person you had sex with got to rip a piece and walk away with it. And said, and it was this idea that if you do this, you're ruined. Or used and guys, guys and girls don't marry someone that's had that's given it away already. I remember, this is so bad and kind of funny, but an example that I was given was... Um, used clothes like people who have had sex before marriage were like used clothes and you wouldn't buy used clothes I was like I literally thrift all the time what do you mean that I, I wouldn't buy you. yeah and so I just think about like we've talked about this before but it's just not seeing people as the preciousness that they are and I think that embodied faith like can see like the preciousness of a person instead of saying like man like purity culture ruined me I wish I would have slept with a bunch of people instead of like knowing my own preciousness and knowing the own the preciousness of somebody else, but well, yeah, I'm an outlier with so many people I know because I've I've been in a monogamous relationship with my wife for 26 years, 
And in no way does that make me more precious than any of them or yeah. more valuable to God. But what I've experienced is through that relationship, my sense of self-loathing, mm -hmm. as my body diminishes, my sense of awareness of my preciousness has increased. And I don't see it as like, uh, that's why I don't think in the life of liberal or conservative dynamics, I think of Jesus and every other story that contradicts the unconditional love of God. Mm -hmm. And I look, whether it's religious fundamentalism or fundamentalist, uh, do what thou will-ism. <laughs> Either way, I, I, I don't see people having a growing reverence. And what I found is even people whose lifestyles I may find uh, difficult or harmful, I still see Jesus in them. And it's so much more fun. It's harder to be grumpy. I get sad a lot, but I don't get grumpy near as much. The life I live in the body, in that God's faithfulness that was embodied towards us, in our faith in God that is embodied. What I've noticed, I've seen, I've known you guys before you were married. I knew... Uh, I, I, I knew you, you'd already uh, knew Luis. Mm -hmm. You weren't engaged yet, and you weren't physically in proximity to him. You had a long-distance relationship, and I knew you I, uh, when you were just a, a single rooming with my son. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are not the same person. You guys have, like, evolved one another. Not You haven't molded one another, but your life together has shaped both of you, and I can really look at you as you're not the same. And I think that is embodied faith is spending time with a God who loves you and you take on the attributes of God. Mm -hmm. And what you notice is all these idiosyncratic things that make you... Now, the brilliance of Jesus and God is the idiosyncratic, beautiful things about you that are totally different from the idiosyncratic, beautiful things about you, Louise, that both of those came from a relational God who's creative, who breaks the mold every time. I think that for me this last bit I couldn't just I couldn't stop thinking about how Jesus would so often get away from everyone to just spend time with God mm -hmm. and about our personal need to get away sometimes in our in our minds in our souls and just however we can if it's in a creative way if it's in a, a working with your hands kind of mm -hmm. way to go away and spend time with God and here <laughs> listen I don't know that's my take and for you that involves like being quiet no one's really around you're not talking you're just spending time in the goodness of God while you're piecing Legos together yeah <laughs> no I mean yeah, for Adrian it's caring for plants mm -hmm. and I love that uh, some people you know I'll just close this you know Jesus before he was tempted by Satan, it says he spent you know forty days of prayer and fasting alone in the desert, and a lot of people mean that. Look, he did that; he's super powered. <laughs> and uh, Dallas Willard said, "No, he needed that much time alone with God the Father to be mm -hmm. able to withstand that mm -hmm. level of temptation." Mm -hmm. And the idea that Jesus got had social limits; like he would run away from the crowds, he would get overwhelmed every morning. He would have quiet time, mm -hmm. and that's how the life I we were going this the contemplative fuels. <laughs> The active. Mm -hmm. It's just so interesting as we've been talking about this today. I feel like getting to know who God created you to be and who he sees you to be really helps you embody your faith because you see the things that he has to give to you. He has faithfulness to give to you. He has 
um, comfort and care and protection to give to you. And as you receive those things from him, then you start living them yourself. Talk about like a faithful marriage or a faithful relationship. That's something that we wouldn't be able to do if we hadn't received it from God and all the ways that we did while we waited. And um, that an embodied faith feels so much more full and so much more free. And it's so much more fun because like we were talking about, like you don't have to worry about getting an argument correct or knowing all the facts or knowing um scripture inside and out like completely that you could just get you get to live life with god and those things are important too like reading scripture but, but how you do it exactly well central vineyard <laughs> we love you you're precious and uh talk to you later